Welcome to the Max Volume Podcast. That's right. I have a title finally, and I'm rather excited about it. And why I'm so excited is because, one, I had my second cup of coffee about uh, five minutes ago. And that's usually that, that's usually for later in the day. So I'm, I'm fired up, got that caffeine running through me. And also, I set up a Spotify podcast today. So this will be on Spotify with all the big dogs uh, by probably the end of the day. So I will figure that out. And I thought it was going to be a lot harder than it, it was because when you search on uh, – on Google, like how to set up a podcast. They say there's like five or six right away. They're like for buy this service and you know, we'll do it for you and all that. I'm like, no, that's, that's a rip. No way. And you just got to figure out it's, they want an RSS like tech podcast. So you just go to the RSS website and you fill out like four steps. You put a little picture on it and you're ready to go. And you'll see the little picture. It's uh, Jake, the dog from adventure time. About to shout out to my nephew, Jake because he's, he's Jake the dog to me. And the name Max Volume, I mean, it sounds more like it would be for like a heavy metal or like a loud EDM kind of podcast. But my name is Max, obviously. I think it's a little clever. And I had a talent buy, buying agency in like 2011 where I bought a bunch of EDM shows for this club uh, I was promoting for. That's right. I was the worst human alive. I was a club promoter. That, I mean, them and... Uh, What's it called? Them and, basically, them and devils are the worst, or Satan. I mean, those are the, I mean, in those, in the circles of hell, club promoters are low. But I had fun. It was EDM before EDM blew up. And like we put on shows with Avicii. Kind of crazy. We had Zed opening up for Porter Robinson. And that show cost, I think, 15 times less than it would have a year later. So like we had it right before everything blew up. And we had shows like Layback Luke, Hardwell, Above and Beyond. It was, it was fun to be kind of a douche for a year, and, you know, be a promoter and be like, hey, come see my show. You know what I mean? But nowadays, if I see a promoter, I walk the other way. But at one point, I was one. But I mean, this is definitely the coffee talking. I'm definitely a little energized. Plus, I mean, to be on a, a platform like uh, Spotify would be just, it's just going to be fun. And it just makes it more professional and makes it more real. And hopefully I'll get some editing software eventually. So when the dogs bark, I can, you know, get that out of there. Maybe get some music in the uh, beginning. Maybe get some guests on, you know what I mean? Maybe get some people talking with me. How fun would that be? I mean, anyone, if anyone has a microphone, let me know and we'll talk. But uh, for today, I want to talk about uh, what's kind of taken up the last month of my life. I think I've mentioned it pretty much on every podcast uh, since I've started. By the way, this is number 26. So getting them out there, churning them out, just getting a lot of content out there. So just, it's just reps. It's like Malcolm Gladwell said you need 10,000 hours or something to be like a master at it. So I'm just chipping away at the 10,000 hours. I think I'm an hour like 13, 14. So I got some, I got some catching up to do, but one day at a time. And I finished this last show one day at a time. I finished 39 episodes in about 22 days. And it was the NBC Horror Gore Fest that was Hannibal, based on uh, Hannibal Lecter's uh, from the books and also from the movie Silence of the Lambs. Uh, it was canceled after three seasons from 2013 and 2015. They had an idea, Brian Fuller, the uh, creator, had an idea for seven seasons. And it still might happen because they just released it on Netflix. And that's you know why I saw it. Netflix is like genius about this. They buy products that people love and like, well, why did it go away? And then people get obsessed and then they create it again. And they did that with Lucifer 
And they're probably going to do that again with this, I hope. Because, I mean, I could, I could watch four more seasons of this in 10 days. Easy. So, I mean, first off, I mean, Brian Fuller just had the huevos to attack a character that has already been done to perfection. I mean, Silence of the Lambs and Anthony Hopkins as, you know, Hannibal Lecter. I mean, he won the Academy Award. It was like, it's on the Mount Rushmore of scariest guys in movies. You know, it's him, the Joker, Anton Segur, and I don't know who the fourth is, but I mean, those three are at the top. Kind of crazy. If you look at uh, Anthony Hopkins' performance in Silence of the Lambs, he doesn't blink once during his entire, I think he's on screen for 24, 25 minutes. But like they, he kept making sure that they would have to do a retake if he blinked once because he wanted that intensity and that kind of like soullessness behind Hannibal Lecter. So, I mean, I mean, the, I can't believe they attacked this again and did kind of a similar telling, but they, they changed it enough. And Mads uh, Mickelson, who plays him, just did such a phenomenal job that it didn't feel, I mean, it felt like, like when Heath Ledger took the Joker and you're like, ah, there's no way, you know, Jack Nicholson did it perfectly. It's like, well, you can do a different version and you can do it well. So, I mean, I guess you can t- attack anything and you can just change it up a little bit and make it your own. And they told the prequel story of Hannibal Lecter, which was really smart. I mean, they didn't do the whole Clarice story because that was done. You know, I mean, that movie, everyone knows Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. You know, everyone has the voice. My friend Morris always does the uh, uh, Buffalo Bill voice. I think everyone of an age, like any, everyone like 29 to 45 knows the Buffalo Bill voice. I can't do it, so I'm not going to do it. But maybe I'll have Morris do it and it'll be like a sound bite where I can press it. But uh, they're telling the story of Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham in Baltimore. And Will Graham is a profiler for the FBI. And he's kind of like the exact opposite of, uh, of Hannibal. And they had just have this weird connection that kind of ties the whole show together and keeps it going. At first, you're like, oh, no, is this going to be another procedural? Is this going to be like a CSI Miami where it's like, my God, they mutilated the body. And you have David Caruso just taking his sunglasses off and like, you know, it's hyperized, cool, uh, CSI, like, oh, he left a a speck of dirt here, and this is why he did it. It's like, no, this is actually, this is more horror, actually, than it is, uh, than it is a cop show. It is, the show is gross. (laughs) I mean, you are talking about Hannibal Lecter, who, spoiler alert, I mean, if you don't know this, I mean, you've been hiding under a rock, like, Hannibal's a cannibal. Hannibal the cannibal. He's a man-eater. He's, like, Jeffrey Dahmer the people-nomer. He's a he likes a good rack of you, you know what I mean? So he's a world-around surgeon who turned into a psychiatrist. And he's kind of, it's weird, he's kind of appealing as a character. There's something just charming about him. And it's like he has this godlike intelligence and manipulation skills. In the show, they establish he has endless money because he's tricked some of his patients to leave their estates to him just because he's that good at what he does. And he only sees patients that are like really psychologically damaged. And I think he kind of pushes them in to more chaotic situations just to see what happens, just because he's kind of a fully formed and unchanged character. And he only does what amuses him or what itches his curiosity. He kind of doesn't care what, uh, what you think, or he's never, he's never going to see your side of it. He's just like, this is how I am. This is who I am. People are delicious. People are cows or people are sheep. And I'm allowed to do what I want because I'm, I'm on a higher plane. Like he kind of reminds me of the snake from Adam and Eve. He just seems kind of above it all. He's just kind of playing with us. He's playing on like a different plane of existence. And there's something, I don't know, there's something like 
sexy and just empowering about that, you know, cause we all have self doubt and we all have insecurities. And you know, like when you're out, you're like, why is everyone looking at me? Or if you hear like people laughing at the next table, you're like, are they laughing at me? I hope they're not laughing at me. Like, is my shirt untucked? Is my butt sticking out? But I don't think Hannibal thinks like that. <laughs> Hannibal looks at the next table and he's like, lunch. He's like, hmm, those, those thighs look good. It's like, oh, that's good quad meat. Or he just, he's licking his lips, looking at your calves. And he's just got an unwavering view that's above it all. Like I said, he's better than everybody. He's deviously trick, tricky. He's just a trickster. And also, I mean, like his refinement and culture, I mean, he's like, he's got the Hermes ties on. He's got these suits that no one else could pull off. He's got like the big Windsor knot, the big at the, uh, for his ties. His uh, psychiatric office is just, it looks like a 1920s billionaire. You know, it looks like the Rockefellers would have bought that for him. And he's driving a Bentley. And I mean, his kitchen is just minimalist, beautiful, but like, there's like a lot of, He's growing his own fresh herbs there and just like marble everywhere and elegant. And when he travels, he goes to like the best places in Florence. And I mean, food wise, there's just caviar and like Wagyu everywhere. And he, he, it seems like he has, there's no limit to the expenses he has or kind of the amount he enjoys himself. And he's always in control and he just, he's always calm and he's kind of, he's never really, I don't, I don't think he's ever had, he's ever audibly laughed on the show. I mean, he smiled or smirked kind of, and he's never really asked someone a question where he didn't know the answer. Like he's always just, he's always nine steps ahead. Like, you know, he's playing 14 dimensional chess while we are playing tic-tac-toe and chalk. It's like, he's, and the people around him are not slouches either. You know, these are the behavioral sciences uh, wing of the FBI and just really smart uh, leading professors and psychologists. And he's just, he's just better than everybody. And I mean, like he's, the when he drinks, he only has the best wines, his food preparations. And I mean, it's just, there's just something alluring about a fully formed monster. It's like going to the zoo when you're watching a great white shark devour a seal. You're like, there's something amazing about that power and unrelentingness and kind of just that natural progression of an apex apex predator and that's what he is that's what hannibal the cannibal is i wonder if he named him if i mean uh whoever wrote his book was like what runs with cannibal hannibal i mean i don't know many hannibals either i wonder that name doesn't seem to be very popular ever and I, obviously not more i mean not anymore because of that connotation i know hannibal burris the comedian who's on the eric andre show but that's about it is it, do any of you know a Hannibal? If you do, let me know. I'm curious. I'd like to interview them and say, like, were their parents dedicated to the Hannibal Lecter or were they not thinking or did they not know uh, that uh, Hannibal Lecter existed? I just want, I want to know. I want to, so if there's a Hannibal out there, you let me know. And I mean, let's talk about the cannibalism. I mean, this show made cannibalism look delicious, which is, I mean, I'm pretty much a vegan and I was licking my lips. I would like put this on my little iPad and start cooking and I'd like cut mushrooms finely and tofu finely. And I'd be like, Hmm, yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm like Hannibal now. <laughs> and they, I mean, I guess they consulted a chef, uh, Jose Andres, uh, who's like a top level Michelin star rated Beverly Hills chef for like the best use of each body part. And like all the, I mean, I, there's one, I mean, like he uses like the whole leg of someone or, I mean, the way they do it, it's just, 
it's like HD food porn. It looks, I mean, you are just smacking your lips. And like, it doesn't seem weird or out of place because I, I don't think they ever, like he's completely refined and like he's aging the meats. You never see him go from like straight murder to cooking. So it's kind of separate in your mind. You're like, oh, it's just a piece of meat, you know, no big deal. It's not like the person's screaming while it's, while he's, you know, detaching the limb and then cook, like cutting it and cooking it. it. There's just a separation between church and state. And I mean, Mads Mikkelsen, the, I think I have the last name, right? Mikkelsen, there we go. He's just, he's the one who plays Hannibal. He's just got this masterclass performance. He's like a former dancer. He was, he hasn't, he wasn't an actor till he was like 33, 34. He was just a professional dance dancer before then. If you want to look up just elegance, just search him dancing on YouTube. And he's, you know, ballet trained, backflipping. He's got those, you know, elegant, he can get on his tippy toes. And he's a Bond villain from Casino Royale. He's the guy at the poker game with the crying bloody eye. And he just, just has this tight, chiseled Norwegian kind of face. And he's got like a taut body that's like a ballerina murder deer. And I mean, there's always, he's always simmering below the surface. He's kind of just, I mean, it's like, it's like watching a duck. You know what I mean? Like on the surface, they're just gliding. And underneath, you know, they're going a mile a minute. But you don't see the little, his little paddles going. It's just in his head. He's just playing, he's playing chess against himself in his head. And he's just kind of figuring things out before everyone else. So just, I mean, a perfect performance. And I love him in general. I mean, if you want to watch a silly movie, watch uh, Polar on Netflix. It was like 2018. It's like if John Wick was a thousand times gorier and like silly. Like picture John Wick meets Crank meets Gamer. And it's just... It's bizarre. It's funny, and he's funny too. Actually, he can he can crack a joke when he wants to. And uh, as Hannibal, once in a while, he cracks he cracks a joke, and it's just so disarming. You're like, eh, this guy's not so bad. And you're like, wait, he's like eating like 35 people, and he feeds. That's what's great about this show too is when he's working with the FBI to solve these cases. He's his friends who are uh, Will Graham and uh, Jack Crawford, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne. Jack is like the head of the FBI behavioral sciences unit. Uh, he he sits them down with him and he feeds them other people without them knowing. And it's like, Oh man, this is, this is devious. And, you know, he's just playful and he's always in control. And I don't, like I said before, he's never shocked or out loud laugh, just smiles and winks and occasional one-liners. And the cast around him is just really fun too. It's like I said, Lawrence Fishburne's Jess Crawford and Lawrence Fishburne usually is the craziest guy in the room. You know what I mean? He's kind of just, He's got a command and he's kind of, he can go out there, but he's kind of refined in this role. He's an FBI company man who's kind of just one step behind Hannibal, but he's no slouch. He's not, he's not a, he's not, you know, he's not a dummy. And I mean, and you forget too, like 20 years ago when he was Morpheus, he could fight, you know, he can throw down. And once in a while they break out the fight scenes and they're really good. And like Lawrence Fishburne hasn't lost a step. It's fun to watch that dude, you know, carry a knife and do Kung Fu. And like scream really loudly. He's just, he's just a beast of a man. Still at like 55, 60, I think he is now. And like I said, there's Will Graham, who's played by Hugh Dancy. And he's the complete polar opposite of Hannibal. He's this complete empath, I think they call him. Like, you know, he can feel empathy for any kind of serial killer, almost to his own detriment. So it's like when he sees a murder scene, he understands the killer and he understands why he's doing it. And he kind of, sometimes he feels nervous because he blurs the line sometimes and he starts to feel how the killer would feel. 
And they do a really cool job of him seeing the uh, murder scene, which I've never seen before. It's Will kind of closing his eyes and they kind of do this LED like window wash of the scene and everything goes backwards to how it was before the murder. And he becomes the murderer and kind of just goes through the actions while explaining it. And it's really fun. It's just a really fun trope that never gets tiresome because all the murders and all the serial killers are super unique. And I mean, and Will, I mean, he's just this nerving, nervous heap of emotions and shaking and has bad dreams and sweat, sweats through his uh, sheets and he can't make human connections. And he just has like, he takes in stray dogs. He only has like, he, it's like 15, 16 dogs and no real relationships. And you can tell him and him and Hannibal, you know, they're both sailors that recognize another sailor in the, in the night. They know there's something connecting them and they're not sure what it is. And they're both curious to kind of dance around it and see they just can't get away from each other, no matter where they are. And the show is really smart too, because it doesn't show the tragedy of all the death and murder. It's not like they see the, you see the families afterwards or you see the life that Hannibal took, like who that person was before. So, I mean, like all this endless death, uh, it's not, it's at, it's in this little like niche world that's dark and dreary. It makes sense. So, and then you got other characters too. You got Dr. Alana Bloom, who's a psychiatrist who is kind of in a love triangle between Hannibal and Will, which is fun. Jillian Anderson from uh, X-Files fame is Dr. Bedelia, who is Hannibal's uh, psychiatrist. And she plays that kind of refined, everyone in this show plays that refined, kind of dry, like, oh, indeed, yes. Well, have you thought about it this way? To kind of explain away terrible stuff. And that's what makes Will Graham's character kind of refreshing because he's the only one who's like seriously affected. He's like, bro, someone's eating people and someone's like making art out of murder, I mean, out of murdered body parts. Like this is messed up. And everyone else is like, hmm, well, the psychology behind it, Dante's Inferno. Yes, quite. Hmm. So, I mean, it's a nice contrast, but I mean, I think, I think it's fun that everyone has that kind of nihilistic view. Like they're so jaded. And I mean, no one comes out clean either. Everyone is either at some point shot, stabbed, tortured, kidnapped, all that kind of stuff. And they have a great list of just like excellent actors who are in for three or four episodes. Like uh, Eddie Izzard, who's, uh, if you knew, he's a great drag queen comedian, really funny. He's Irish. He plays Dr. Abel Gideon, who's just a psychotic murdering doctor who doesn't know his own identity. And he'll go like, They'll kill people, take their hearts out, and string them up like Christmas Christmas lights. And him and Hannibal have this weird relationship about eating. I'll leave it at that. But uh, t- Dr. Abel gets a bite of himself. Let's just put it like that. And, I mean, if you remember Michael Pitt from Boardwalk Empire, he was Jimmy. Is that his name, Jimmy? He was like, he was Nucky's, you know, number two. He was also, on Dawson's Creek, he was one of the first boyfriends of not not Katie Holmes, but the other chick, the other chick, I can't remember, but he's, he's just this weird, cool character actor. And he plays this bizarro slaughterhouse billionaire named Mason Verger. And he talks like this and he's like, Oh, Papa, Papa would tell us to stab, stab the pigs and check the fat. And he's like, this dude is on Mars and, and you just love it. And I mean, spoiler alert, but who cares? He gets his face torn off at some point and he has like facial reconstructive surgery and he starts talking like this for like, it's like the Bane voice almost. It's like the insane billionaire with a hair lip kind of thing. And it's just so much fun. I mean, the show spares no expense. It goes to 
like 13 out of 10 on everything. And that, that is defined by the violence of the show. Like my God, the violence. I mean, it is, I can't believe the show was on NBC because it is, even for HBO, HBO would blush and be like, I don't know if we can put this on. <laughs> because, I mean, apparently, I guess, uh, Brian Fuller figured out a loophole with like the FCC and uh, regulations. So if you have blood being darker, like almost black and low lighting, you can make more grotesque things on network cable. Like they, they kind of spark, uh, they like decide it's not suitable for TV if there's like a lot of light on it and if it's like bright red blood. So if you make it darker, apparently you can do whatever you want because there is some gross, gross stuff. This is nightmare fuel of a show. And I'm kind of squeamish for that stuff. And somehow they do it in such an elegant HD kind of beautiful way that you're, it's almost artwork. You're looking at like a Jackson Pollock or a Picasso of death. And you're like, okay, you know what I mean? Like it's refined and beautiful enough and they put enough time and effort that I'm, I'm going to go past the gross. Like there's one, I mean, I'll go through a few of them. It doesn't matter. You, every time you see them, you're just like, you're shocked. It doesn't matter if you knew beforehand. One uh, murderer has mushrooms growing out of his dead bodies in the ground. And like, there's just like mutating mushrooms at like hundreds of them pouring out of these uh, dead bodies. Someone stitched a bunch of people of different uh, skin tones together to make a giant eye of humanity in like a corn silo like if you look at it from above it looks like a giant eye made from people stitched to get dead bodies stitched together uh like there's children murdering parents from a cult like they're just in a cult this body's mutilated to look like a giant heart like the body was like put on display and looked like a giant beating heart people's lips get ripped off and you see it and there's multiple people burned alive multiple there's oxygen tent explosions there's bodies buried inside animal wombs I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not kidding. This is, I can't even, if someone said, think of the grossest stuff that couldn't be on TV, I, I don't even know if I'd get there. And I, I think I'm pretty creative. There's bodies played like classical instruments at the opera. There's totem poles made of human remains. Like they sawed off the body parts and Tetris put them back together to make like a totem pole. Uh, I mean, there's self-inflicted face eating while on psychotropic drugs. I mean, it goes on. I mean, this is not even the worst of the list. It can go on and on and on. And for some reason, it's watchable and it's fun. And I don't know why that is because it is, they, they spare no expense. Maybe because it's so grandiose and it's so over the top that there's some levity and lightness to it, even though it's, they don't really put that in there. I don't think, I think they maybe like subliminally, subliminally are just rubbing your head and being like, it's okay okay this is okay this is just in Hannibal's world don't don't worry about it and uh I mean the show like I said it never shows anyone outside the circle of the FBI so Hannibal and all the chaos is normalized smart and I love that it's also not locked into one location or one plot they're willing to like go to Italy they're willing to have some of their characters on the run to arrest some of their characters for some of their characters to be sleeping together for some of their characters to you know attack other ones. Uh, I mean, they don't care if they're spending a few episodes in the clinic for the criminally insane. They don't, they don't, they're not tied to any one thing. So it feels like anything could happen any episode. It's like, okay, we're going on a four episode journey to Florence, Italy, or like this one, this episode's going to be in a cabin in Minnesota. You're like, all right, that, that seems realistic. So they can do anything and they do, they keep you on your toes. And it's just a fearless show. And I, I like that. 
So, I mean, like take risks. I mean, this show takes a lot of risks and it has a lot of dream sequences, which are risky. You know what I mean? Dreams can be kind of corny, kind of over the top, but this, and I think David Lynch does dream sequences really well. And like Will has a bunch of dreams about like elk and murder deers. And he kind of, he's, he still empathizes with the serial killers that he has these weird dreams that kind of incorporate them all. So, I mean, that, those are really fun. And there's hallucinations a bunch and there's flashbacks. So they always bring back favorite characters all the time. You never know when. And it's, I mean, there's always these underlining large plots that are simmering beneath the surface because sometimes it's a procedural a little bit. Sometimes it's a chase to show about chasing, you know, the bad guy, but in the end it's kind of Hannibal and Will's relationship and who, how they feel about each other, that power struggle, the conflict they both feel and will they kind of end up being friends or are they going to end up being each other's worst enemy? And it kind of, it, vacillates back and forth and it's just you never know it's just always on your toes it can go a whole full season where you're just like i'm not sure where this is going and also i mean whoever directed this it's well i think brian fuller created it i'm not sure who directed them but they do fight scenes once in a while it's rare but like the fight scenes are literally like matrix john wick uh i'm trying to think what else like con air the rock i mean they're like action movie quality excellent and they're just i mean and they, they do them so rarely that you're never sure when they're going to come. And when they, when they come, it's like a cherry on top of this murder horror Sunday. So, I mean, hopefully they end up finishing uh, the last four seasons. Uh, I, think, I think it's number eight on Netflix right now. So I think that people are, you know, gravitating towards it. And hopefully, I mean, Brian Fuller has definitely said like, yo, I want to do the last four seasons. So like, let's get on this. And I have a feeling it's going to, and I, I can't wait because I didn't think I had a craving for this, but I didn't, I mean, who would have thought it? it's like, Hey, this vegan wants, wants to watch a show about cannibals and it's really firing him up. So if that does it, if that does this to me, imagine what it does to you, you meat eating carnivore. So until next time, I'll just say bon appetit. <laughs>